Our scripture this morning is taken from out of the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. These are verses that we commonly hear read during the Lenten season, so it may feel just a little bit out of sync, but it really fits in with our theme of really good news and talking about God of the second chance. So here now these words from out of Luke 22. Seizing Jesus, they, being uh, the Jewish police force, led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, Peter replied. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Would you join me in prayer? Father, today we pray that you would speak to us in a way that we can understand. We pray, Lord, that your word would truly come alive. And Father, may we hear some really good news today. For we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When my three sons were in elementary school, they were extremely competitive. Maybe part of the reason they were so competitive was they had a dad who was rather competitive. And any time we would play games, I mean, it was always out for blood. Say we were playing a game of putt-putt, and one of the boys would take the putt-putt ball and give it a stroke and hit it with the putter, and it was a bad shot. He would say, I want a do-over. Have y'all ever had a do-over before? A do-over. And we had lots of do-overs when my boys were growing up. Have you ever in life just wanted a do-over? Where you could take the ball, place it again in the tee box, erase the score on the scorecard, and just put it one more time, hoping for a better shot. Unfortunately, we sometimes learn in life that there are some situations where there are no do-overs. They seem to have a permanent effect on us. A spouse is unfaithful and his wife just can't find in her heart to forgive and reconcile. A person, as a youth, makes a huge mistake, gets in trouble with the law, and then that record forever travels with that person in every job that always comes up about that offense. A, stupid, a student makes comments online that just continues to haunt that student week after week, month after month, and there seems to be no escape. 
An attorney is disbarred never to practice law again. A, a, a person messes up. And it seems that it just goes on the record never to disappear. What goes on the record seems to stay on the record. And because we live in that world where we sometimes face the consequences of things that we've done and those things continue to haunt us for a long time, we sometimes wonder when we've messed up in front of God, when we've done something we shouldn't do or we failed to do what we ought to do, can God give us a second chance? Will God give us a do-over? One of the great characters in the Bible is this man called Peter. Peter is an amazing biblical character because he is one that can go in an instant from being a great hero to an absolute rascal. He even be one that uh, really gets it right and is just excelling above everybody else. And then he's in another moment at the very bottom of the totem pole. He was a character, too, that uh, uh, couldn't just fade into the background. He was always out front, so everything he did was seen and known. On one occasion, uh, Peter had this amazing revelation from God about who Jesus was. He said that, Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And Jesus commended him, saying that, you know, no one else has really understood this like you have, Peter. And then in a few moments later, Jesus was talking about how that because he was the Messiah, that he would have to face death. And Peter said, no, you can't do that. And Jesus then replied to Peter, get behind me, Satan. So going from this guy that's highly exalted to being called the devil, that's Peter. That's Peter. Well, in the most challenging, difficult moment in Peter's life, the most difficult season in his life, Peter was in a situation where he really made a big blunder. Jesus had warned Peter. He said, Peter, he said, before this night is over, Jesus had gathered with his disciples. They were in an upper room. He said, Peter, before this night is over, you are going to deny me, not just once, but three times. Peter replied to Jesus, said, No, Lord, I'll die with you before that happens. And then the story unfolds. Jesus and his disciples leave the upper room where they are gathered for this meal. They go to this garden, and there in that garden, soldiers come, and they, they, take, Pete, they take Jesus away. Peter follows at a distance, and, and Jesus is put on trial in this impromptu court in, a, in an open area. And Peter is there in that open area near Jesus. Peter because it's a cold evening, draws near to a, a fire. The Gospel, John tells us that that fire was a charcoal fire, and, and he gathers there of some others who are trying to warn them, says, and a woman looks at him and says, you're one of those followers of Jesus, aren't you? Then another person asks Peter a similar question, then later another. And Peter is in a situation where he can rise to the top. He can affirm Jesus. He can show just how loyal he really is. But he doesn't. 
Three times he denies knowing Jesus. Three times he denies Jesus. Jesus, his friend. Jesus, his teacher. Jesus, his savior. Jesus, his master. He denies Jesus. In a moment when he could excel, he fails. He fails the test. That's Peter. And Peter denied Jesus those three times. Then the rooster crowed. And he was reminded what Jesus had told him. And then Jesus looked at Peter. And our gospel lesson tells us that Peter left that place and wept bitterly. No doubt he wondered, could Jesus ever love me again? Is it possible for Jesus to forgive? You know, this whole idea of people letting God down, letting Jesus down, is something common in our experience. In the past couple of years, there have been some very prominent, well-known pastors who have committed great blunders, one with money and one with sexual improprieties. And in both of those situations, the churches suffered greatly and are continuing to suffer. The pastors were removed. And it created all these difficulties for the church and for the pastors. One of my favorite theologians is uh, Scott McKnight. And out of the context of those two church pastors' failures, Scott wrote a book called A Church Called Tove, T-O-V. The word tove is the Hebrew word for good. And in that book, he tries to help Believers, he tries to help churches, he tries to help pastors from falling prey to what happened in those situations and to live good lives and to be good pastors, to be good churches and kind of the safeguards for that. But these pastors probably now wonder, can I have a do-over? But you know, it happens not only among prominent pastors. A colleague and good friend of mine who is a pastor, uh, not long ago he was defrocked, meaning his orders were taken from him as a pastor because, in my thinking, it's probably because of an addiction he struggled with for a long period of time. And like these other pastors, he probably wonders, can I be forgiven? Will God give me another chance? You know, though in reality, there are not a lot of people in our world who have the, the title in front of their name, Reverend, R-E-V, Reverend. But we all kind of know what it's like to mess up. Most of us have done things that we regretted doing. We've done things that we know God didn't want us to do. We failed to do things that God wanted us to do. We found ourselves going back to that old habit that we said we would never do again, and we find ourselves back there, and we end up where Peter ended up. Does God still love me? Can God forgive me? Is it possible to have a do-over?
Is God the God of the second chance? James Bryan Smith, uh, who is an author of a series of books, Good and Beautiful series, Good and Beautiful God, Good and Beautiful Community, uh, he came to follow Jesus as a late teen. And when he graduated from high school, he began attending a Christian college. And in that college, he was exposed to his peers and to some of the teaching of that school that gave him the idea that God was a wrathful God who that if you messed up, God was out to get you. And you know that thought, God is a wrathful God. And if you don't toe the line, you're in trouble. And that thinking causes us really to wonder, can God give us, will God give us, a second chance. Will God love me even after I mess up? Fortunately, in the Peter story, there is another chapter after the denial. Now, you may remember how the story continued with Peter. Jesus, Jesus, of course, was placed on trial. He was convicted by the Jewish court. They handed him over to Pilate. Pilate said, we're going to crucify him. He went to the cross. He died on the cross. He was put in a grave. Three days later, he arose from the grave. And then over a period of 40 days, Jesus began to show himself, appear to various people, including Peter. It was during that period of time that this second chapter for Peter unfolds. Peter got this hankering to go fishing. Y'all ever had that hankering to go fishing? So Peter wanted to go fishing. And he said to some of the disciples, he said, won't you go with me? And so they said yes. And so they went up to his favorite fishing holes up in the Sea of Galilee or that big lake there in northern Israel. And they had fished, like I fish, fished all night and caught nothing. That's usually the reason I don't get such a hankering to go fish anymore because you don't catch anything. Well, they had fished all night, and they saw in the early morning hours someone over on the shore. There was a little fire there on the shore, and the person called out to them and said, Cast your net on the other side, and they did. And when they did, they got this huge haul of fish so big, they thought the boat was going to be overturned. And somebody said, That's Jesus! And you know what Peter did? And it's just like Peter. He dove into the water and swam all the way back to shore to greet Jesus. And when he got to shore, he found Jesus there. And Jesus had prepared a charcoal fire. If you read the Gospel of John and you read the story about Peter's denial you'll find that it talks about the fire where Peter warmed himself there while Jesus was in that, on that impromptu court. It was a charcoal fire. And then in chapter 21 of John, it talks about that fire on the lake shore being a charcoal fire. You know, a charcoal fire is different than other kinds of fires we warm ourselves by. Charcoal has a distinct smell about it, doesn't it? Particularly if a steak is grilling on it. It's got a particular aroma. It's got a particular look. It doesn't have flames shooting up, but you, you, there's these red 
flames near, near the charcoal. To warm yourself by a charcoal fire, you have to kind of move close to it, don't you? Its appearance, its feel is unique. And when Peter got to shore, he was soaking wet because you can't swim without getting wet, right? He was soaking wet. And no doubt as the water began to evaporate from his skin, he was feeling cold. So he probably moved very close to that charcoal fire when then all of his senses began to kick in and remind him of another charcoal fire. That evening when he denied Jesus, not once, but three times. Probably inside of him was stirred all of those emotions of guilt and shame. Doesn't life kind of have that thing about it, how that a smell, a sight, a feel, a thought, a memory, a phrase, a word, can kick back into play something that's happened before in our lives that we regret, something that made us feel guilty. Something that made us feel shame. And so there Peter was at that fire with Jesus, confronted once again at a charcoal fire with his failure, with his blunder. But in this story, we see something so extraordinarily amazing. Even though Peter had denied Jesus and he had gone fishing, maybe he went fishing to escape his sense of guilt, maybe he went fishing just to get away from things. We don't really know why he went fishing, but he went fishing. But Jesus went to where Peter was. Jesus comes to the guy that messed up. Jesus, in an, on another occasion, earlier in his ministry, told a wonderful story. It's a story about a, a father who had two sons, and the younger of the two sons came to his dad and said, Dad, I want you to give me everything that's mine. Dad, before, I can't wait till you die to get my inheritance. I want it now. And you know what the dad did? The dad gave to this boy his inheritance. The guy cashed the check, took all the money, went a distance away, and spent everything on just wild, loose, free living. And he found himself in a little while without anything. Not just without anything, he became destitute. He was hungry. And it was during that point that this young man came to himself and said, even my father's servants are better off than I am. And so he said, I'm going to go home and tell dad what a terrible son I've been and just ask him to take me back on as a hired hand. 
And the story tells us that this young man was headed home, and it says, while he was still a long ways from home, his father saw him and ran to greet him. Peter's story, and the story we call that story, the story of the prodigal son, in those two stories, we see the nature of God. We see the nature of God. God is one that whether we've messed up the second time or the 2,000th time, God comes to us. It doesn't always look the same, but God comes to us. There on that seashore, Jesus looked at Peter and he asked him a question that no doubt penetrated to the very core of Peter's being. He said, Peter, do you love me? Well, Peter was wondering if Jesus still loved him. The asking of that very question, it seems that Jesus was saying, Peter, I do love you now. Do you love me in return? Do you love me? And the whisper of Jesus is, I love you. There's nothing, there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can do or you can fail to do or that you've done again and again and again, will cause God not to love you. God will always love you. God will always want to restore you and me. God wants for us that blessing that we sang about just a moment ago. Because God is the God of the second chance. Perhaps today... You've messed up, maybe you failed to do something that you really believe God wanted you to do. Maybe you did something you know you ought not to have done and you know that it hurt God's heart. Maybe you've had a habit and you said, I'm not going to do it anymore, and yet you've done it not only one time, but two times, but three times since you said, I'm never going to do it. Again, know this. God loves you, wants to forgive you, and God wants to restore you. And so this morning, I invite you, hear the words of Jesus. Feel His embrace. Fall at His knees. And watch what happens. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you that you are a God who loves us. And you love us just as we are. And just as Paul wrote, nothing in all creation can separate us from that love, even our own blunders. And Father, today for those this morning who are, are, are struggling with knowing and understanding that you love them, Lord, may, your, may you speak to them directly today. And may they know once again the embrace of your loving and forgiving arms. Lord, put us now in right standing with you. And Lord, let us feel and sense your grace being poured over us again and again. Lord, today set those free who are wrestling with big demons in their lives. Lord, set those free who are just struggling 
Lord, set those free who are fearful. Set those free who are angry. And Lord, pour your love upon us and let us experience it in abundance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.